Revelation chapter 22. We're going to read verses 1 through 2. That's it. Yeah, 22, 1 through 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And God, as we look into your word at the future heavenly new Jerusalem and the tree of life that is there and the leaves that heal the nations, we want to come to Jesus tonight. And as we talked about downstairs, we want to partake of him, our tree of life. We want healing. We want his presence. And so we come confessing our dependence upon you as our source of life. So, Father, let not a single soul leave tonight without your eternal life dwelling inside of them. So I pray for your spirit to come and do his work. And finally, that you would come and strengthen me to preach tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to give one more special message before we get into our history series because I can't wait for that, and I keep on finding delays which are annoying me. And Tim. (laughs) And everyone else who keeps asking me for starting this week, and why we're going to Revelation. One more special message. Last week we looked at the passing of Jose and talked about how um, death of God's servants is precious in the sight of the Lord, and so we gave ourselves comfort about missions and death, that our deaths... If we're serving God, they're not going to be precarious deaths, accidental. They're going to be precious deaths. They're going to come at His appointed time. And when you die, your mission is accomplished. There's no doubt like, oh, what a shame he died young. He finished his job young. That's amazing. That's wonderful. A lot of good people died young. Jim Elliott, for example, and all of his gang that died on the mission field. Um, Jose, too, we can add to the mix. But what I wanted to do tonight was give a special message. I should have done at the beginning of New Year's, but I didn't. Um, I'm doing it now instead. And that's to share my vision for our mission as a group. A group that meets on Sunday nights, that meets um, the college on Monday nights, and the high school on Wednesday nights. What, what, who are we? Question one, who are we? And two, What are we about? Why do we meet together? What is our existence? What does it mean? What's our identity? Those are the two questions I aim to answer tonight so that we can go into this new year with a mission and fresh vision of what we're about. So the last thing I want is you guys to come every week and just with the expectation I'm just going to be passive listener. That's what I just like to do. I have nothing else to do on Sunday or my parents make me come or whatever your excuse is. I'm just listening we're, we're going to be a group with mission. So I pray that the Spirit would instill my vision as our mission into each of your hearts. And that's what I wish to do tonight. So I'm going to do this in three parts. First, I'm going to give you guys a brief history, and I mean very brief history, of what has happened up here on Sunday nights. Because I've been here for over five years. So I'll give you a brief history of what things have looked like. I think only the Kohlers are the only ones that know what the five years have looked like. And then um, I will reveal to you guys a name. 
by which to associate our mission and vision with, and then finally give you guys three reasons why I think that name is fitting for our group. Make sense? That's where we're going to go. So there's three parts. So hammer in the history of game room Sunday night Bible study. See, that's part of the problem is like, what, what are we called? We're Black Ops. Black Ops. Well, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> Somewhere in the fall of 2006, I was casually attending the downstairs study and Mike approached me and asked if I would be willing to just you know, actually, I take it back. Chris has been here just as long as the Kohlers. Sorry, Chris. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Um, and he asked me if, because I, I, right when I was talking about this, I just remembered Chris, little Chris's face. He was so little then. He got in trouble for seeing on the bus once. He told me that. <laughs> um, so that's 2006, fall, somewhere in there. And Mike said, would you be willing to just, any youth that come, just do a Bible study for them upstairs? I'm like, Sure. I was attending the school of ministry at the time, so I was a student learning about like how to teach and how to do all this stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, this will be good practice. <laughs> and so we started that, and man, it was um, it was interesting. A couple, and um, I'm not gonna lie, but I'd say most of them didn't want to be there. They were forced to be there, and there was that feeling. I think Chris was even in that ballpark back then, <laughs> probably. Um, and so it was very, very tough time, this constant tension, and I was just like, oh man, what, what is this all about? I have no idea. And then um, I graduated from the school of ministry in 2008, and I got a job as a youth pastor in Orange County at Fountain Valley as a church called Voyage Calvary Chapel. And I started youth pastoring there, and I'm thinking, I don't want to drive all the way up here every Sunday night to lead a floundering Bible study. So I started to pray, God, um, take this off my hands. I don't want this anymore. So I started looking and praying for somebody who would just take it over for me so I wouldn't have to come up here every Sunday night anymore. Well, you know what happened? It didn't work out. It, I, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> God, had, God had this sovereign grip upon this group, and he saw fit that. Brandon's going to stay, and he's going to commute up here for three years during most of the Sunday nights. I skipped out on a couple either. I was just too tired, and usually those are the weekends where it snowed. I just said, I'm too tired. I'm not going. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. So just a couple times I didn't come up, but other than that, I, I went on through. And the strange thing is, is that during the time... While I was down the hill, full-time youth pastor, part-time youth pastor with those students, um, that group was like just, oh, it, 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 it started really well, went bad, it went really, really well, and then went really, really bad. And then somewhere evened off to where I, I, I feel like it was very strong when I left it, which I feel good about. I'd hate to leave it when it's bad. But when it was really, really bad um, here, things started to get really, really good. And I started to think, why can't I just move up there? It'd be so much fun. It was, I think what happened was we went from a group that felt forced to be here to suddenly there are students that wanted to be here. And that makes all the difference when people want to be part of something. And you can start to see growth in their lives. And, um, well, eventually both of them started going steady. You could see growth in both groups. And the Lord put on my heart that my mission at Voyage was over. And it was actually exciting, one of those bittersweet things. I knew I wasn't going to be there permanently. And when he finally said, your mission's done, like, look at the group, Brandon, you did what I sent you to do. 
you, you, you unified them, you gave them stability, it's ready for them to have a more outgoing, aggressive, fun <laughs> youth pastor, all the things I'm not. It's time for them to have that. <laughs> and so, you know, I gave my notice to them, and um, he was really fun, he was really cool helping me find a place to go, and Mike at the same time called me and said, Brandon, you know, I know you've been here with us for a while, but I would love to you just to, I'd love to offer you a job at the conference center and just let you be here all the time. And prayed about it, and finally, in August of 2011, um, made that decision. And so here I've been for about four or five months, and that's kind of how that happened—the brief little history. Um, what have we done here? We've gone through eight studies in the five years. We started with Acts, and then did Revelation. Then, actually, you know what? You guys can put your hand up if you're here for that one. I think that'd be cool to see who is like here. So Acts, who's your Acts? Wow, like four. Revelation was the second. Ephesians. Um, the first Peter. The hands will start getting more and more. What's wrong with this side of the room? <laughs> Is this like the newbies and like you guys need to integrate? What's going on? I'm kidding. Um, the fifth was Exodus. I think that's when I, I started to feel um, a little turn was when we were in Exodus. And the sixth was Romans. That was, yeah, that took a year. And that was definitely, I think we grew the most. I, maybe numerically I can't remember, but I think in, in you guys individually, I saw growth when we were in Romans. That was cool. I think I felt like I grew a lot in Romans um, as a teacher and leader and all that stuff. Um, then seventh was Genesis. That was exactly one year ago we started Genesis. <laughs> we were, yeah, we we're probably right in chapter two right now. <laughs> and over the year, we only covered the first 11 chapters. That's, we, we did Genesis. And what? We did first John in the middle. We did. And then we did another book. And then eighth was first John, the, the assurance of eternal life. That was the mo- that we just finished that. Cool. And I think just about all of you can raise your hand on that. Cool. So that's the basic history. And guess what's next? History. Huh? Surveying the Bible in 31 chapters, the grand story. That's next. I, I'm so excited to give you guys a foundation for the Bible. Yes, sir. I have a question, uh, just because I keep meaning to ask you, but I can't get uh, History, is that at all based on to do with inspired by the story? I don't know if you've heard of that book. Haven't, so no. It's maybe similar, though. It's pretty much almost the same thing. Cool. I, we'll talk about that later. Maybe I can find it and get some insights from there. All right, so part number two of this message. Oh. <laughs> Over the years, my vision for this group has grown, and I think we've now come to a point where I have an idea of exactly what I want us to be. And so we're, I'm going to unveil a little name for our group. I don't care if you guys use it or not, but the point is, is it gives us identity and it distinguishes us from them downstairs. <laughs> not that well except for that once a month but you know not that um, we are independent of them okay there are parents there are elders and our overall pastor is down there but we do have an identity that is separate from them so we're not independent but it's an identity difference and that's why I think a name is important because it's like what are, what are we right now well we're Sunday Night Bible Study well so are they I mean, you guys might be in the youth of your life, 
but you have a vital role in expanding God's kingdom right now. So I don't want that feeling of we're just a glorified daycare while the parents go to church. <laughs> well, you know. I remember the early days. Everyone runs. Yeah. No, it's not all about us coming up here and playing speed pool and patty cake and cards and catchphrase and all that stuff. <laughs> We're actually here for mission. So, you know, it's, it's, that's the reason for name. Um, <laughs> names also give the meaning of mission. Take, take Abraham, for example. He was called Abram, which meant exalted father. And when God chose him and called him and told him that you are going to be the father of a nation, the Jews, and through that nation, I'm going to send my Messiah and bless every nation on earth. When God called him and gave him that mission, he changed his name. He went from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So his mission was given in his name. And that's what I want to give, is a name that implies our mission. Just so there's some sort of identity with us. So, what, no. <laughs> that would destroy mission, in it. I'd be like, we want black ops. And I'm like, what does that mean in the kingdom? Why don't we come food the devil? <laughs> that's, that's too vague. <laughs> no. No, I chose it with, with, with much prayer and thought. Yeah. We can have a division called Black Ops within the... Oh, that is really cool. Black Ops would be our mission team name. That'd be, I'll go with that. All right. Shh. Now you guys are making this ridiculous. Now there's all this like expectation, anticipation. It's like, that's it? Really? Come on, Raven. So here it is. I live or die by this phrase. <laughs> Hint, we read it. It's tree of life. Like yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. The idea, of course, is, as I shared downstairs, the tree of life was significant in the garden. It's significant in the new Jerusalem, which is where we're going. And it's significant today because Jesus took on a form of the tree of life. And I want this meeting and the meetings on Mondays and Wednesdays to be the very same thing, that people are coming to the tree of life. They're coming to Jesus. And in the coming to Jesus, we are becoming trees a group of trees that makes a garden that becomes a refuge for people in the wilderness to find living water and the leaves, verse 2 of our text, the leaves that heal the nations or heal the people. That's the idea behind it. So what is the tree of life? Well, actually, let me answer those first two questions I addressed at the beginning. Who are we? We're tree of life. <laughs> what is our purpose for gathering? That is to cultivate an unshakable love for Jesus rooted in Scripture. And so we are like trees that need cultivating. We need roots. And we are finding that in the tree of life. And we want that unshakable love because it's rooted here in Scripture. So my goal also is that 
you know, it's kind of this morphed, meshed group here, up here that, that the Lord kind of just sovereignly did. We've got, um, it's mostly high school, and we got some people over high school, and that's totally fine. Uh, it's going to stay that way. Um, I've had people ask me if I was going to, you know, nix the college group, and I don't think so. I think that what God's doing is a good thing, and I'm not going to touch it. So what I've done instead is made Mondays the college night, Wednesdays the high school night. Sunday is going to be where we root ourselves in Scripture with a sermon, and Monday and Wednesdays are the more, because we're dividing us, we're in the smaller setting where we can have Christian community, experience love with one another, and have that, um, that more one-on-one body meeting body needs type of thing, so that you're not every time you're coming to church just kind of having that passive expectation of just hear another sermon, hear another sermon, hear another sermon. You're not going to necessarily get that except just on Sundays. And then Mondays and Wednesdays, we're going to have more of the broader Christian life thing together, which I'm totally excited for. So, why, last part of our message, why Tree of Life? Why did I choose that name? Because, first of all, it's unique. I don't know any other group named Tree of Life. I know hundreds of refuges well, you know one. <laughs> I know lots of refuges. I know lots of The Edge. I know lots of um, The Rock, you know, Ignite. I know lots of, like, common names. Clay happens to be nearby. Pulse. What's Pulse? Yeah, lots of them. Sold out. I've heard of them, too. Anyways, um, not only because of that... But because a tree, just a tree in itself, is a fitting image of my vision and our mission as a group. It's pregnant with symbolism. So the first reason for Tree of Life is that in the Bible, the Tree of Life gives access to eternal life. The Tree of Life is always a symbol of access to eternal life. You see it in Eden at the very beginning. The two trees were there to test man. What did he want? Either he's going to depend upon Jesus as the tree of life, go to the tree of life to look for life, or he's going to go to the tree of knowledge to find life. God said, don't do the tree of knowledge. So what man ended up doing was replacing the tree of life with the tree of knowledge and spoiling the garden. We were exiled out of it, and now we all live in wilderness waiting to return to the garden. That's what's happened. So the tree of life... Like I said downstairs, there's nothing like eating the fruit was mystical, like, oh, the magic apple made me live forever. (laughs) It was a practice that they had to do continually, continually coming to the tree to get life, to get healing. That's how you lived. So I, I don't even propose, I almost just say flat out that if they did not eat from the tree, they would have died. But of course, that's not the point. The point is that there was another tree and they chose that instead. But had they kept choosing the tree of life, they would be living, we'd still be there. And that's the connection, of course, to Jesus. Is Jesus isn't this just one time like prayer, like, yay, save me, and then we go live life. There is constant communion with Jesus, and that's how you have eternal life. There's a life of faith that keeps coming to him and not to the world for life. Um, So, of course, we saw it in our text here in Revelation. What we read was the future paradise that we are going to. Actually, let me rephrase that. The future paradise that's coming here. We're moving that way in the story, but it's coming to us. It's going to be on this earth. And the tree of life and many other images like the river, um, there's other ones throughout the text, they are direct connections from the garden in Eden. 
So what we have here is John is portraying in Revelation the garden again. We lost it in Genesis. We've been wandering through the wilderness and in the paradise and the garden is going to come back to us. So that's what it means when we say that we've been redeemed. The earth is going to be restored. We're going to be resurrected. Resurrect is how you say it. But the word re is in so many of our words. Regeneration. Why? Because what we do as Christians is when we get saved, we move back to what we were meant to be. It's not like you become something new and like, oh, this is new invention. No, we're going back to what we used to be in the garden. And Revelation is going to climax that as we get there. And it's going to come to us. And so we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful place. And the tree of life will be there with no tree of knowledge. There's no choice anymore about the, oh, what if, what if Tim blows it in paradise and we go through this all over again? There's no tree of life. We all who make it there are the ones that chose daily the tree of life. Those are who, those who make it. Those are the ones seeking eternal life in Jesus. Did I mess up the words? I, I, I felt like I did. Yeah. I, I, all right, you know what I meant. Yes. You know that feeling like you say it and you, like, you keep talking and while you're talking, you're thinking, did I say, I think I said something. And I looked at Whitney, she's laughing and I'm like, I totally messed that up. So, um, but it, so that's, you know, Eden and Revelation and then Jesus is the tree of life in the middle. He's the one we go to right now. Um, it's not coincidental that he died on a tree. The Bible never talks of it as a cross. It always talks of it as a tree. Or at least in Acts it does. Um, the, the author Luke go, intentionally says tree. I don't think that's accidental. And Deuteronomy says that cursed is any man who is hung on a tree. We were cursed because we went to the wrong tree in Genesis. Jesus took that tree, died on it, taking the curse. He was cursed because he was hung on a tree. And that tree of death has now become a tree of life. Jesus identified himself with the tree. Furthermore, um, the tree in the garden was symbol. We'll get into this in the history series. But the tree in the garden was symbolized as the lampstand in the temple. The lampstand was to be like a tree. It had one stem like the branch or the trunk and it had six branches coming off of it. And Jesus, when he came on the scene, identified himself with that lampstand. He said, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. And then in John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am that middle stem and you're the six branches coming off that are lights. That's me. I, I'm in a, in a very figurative metaphorical sense. I am the tree of life. And so, we, as man came to that tree of life to live forever in the garden, we come to Jesus to live forever in the garden. And like I shared downstairs, that's how Jesus could say, unless you eat of me, you have no eternal life. That's what they did with the trees. They had to eat of it. That was their act of faith. So, that's Jesus. And we knew in 1 John, as we went through that series, that eternal life is in Jesus. So again, he's just like the tree. Eternal life is in him. As 1 John 5.11 God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son, Jesus. So, that's the first reason why I picked um, tree of life because in the Bible, the tree of life is the access point to eternal life. And that's what I want this place to be. Access to eternal life. That we're, we're all about Jesus here. We're all about seeking eternal life in Him, turning from the tree of knowledge, the world, and going to the tree of life. And that those who never tasted, who are still wandering in their wilderness, that they find the garden here. Second reason. Like us, trees need to grow 
and bear fruit. So here's where I identify the tree of life, not just as Jesus, but we become little trees surrounding the tree of life. We're making a garden here for those in the wilderness to come and find. Um, but trees have to grow and bear fruit. And so do you. So do I. You guys know the parable of the sower and the seed. Jesus said that seed was thrown about. And um, you, you know, there was a four stages. Some seed was eaten by the birds. Some seed grew quickly, but there's too many rocks underneath it, so it withered away when the sun came out. Then other seed did even better. It grew and it even almost grew fruit, but the thorns choked it out. And then there was finally the seed that fell on good soil and it grew and it bore lots and lots of fruit. Jesus told that parable to say that not everybody who receives the gospel is saved. Only those who bear fruit are saved. And so we're like trees. We have to bear fruit. For example, John the Baptist came on the scene and said this in Matthew 3.10. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And after that passage in opening the New Testament, there come a plethora of passages that say things very similar to that. So, we're a tree of life, and our purpose is to be cultivating an unshakable love for Jesus rooted in Scripture. So to grow, we have to first of all be cultivated to grow fruit. And we get that with Jesus. We let him come and mess with our hearts, cultivate the soil. You know, you till it, you break it up, you water it. He does that for us. And also to be rooted. What do we root ourselves in? Like I said, we're rooted in Scripture. Um, go ahead and go to Psalm chapter 1. I'll show you this clearly. Psalm chapter 1, middle of your Bible, of course. I'm there. Good job, sir. Hey, this is where we're looking for rooted in Scripture in this passage, okay? Psalm 1, 2, verse 3, or 2 and 3. Let's just start at the top. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But... His delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the scriptures. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The result is in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither ever. It has eternal life. The psalmist here takes the imagery of the tree of life and opens up the book of Psalms and says, this, this psalm book is all about those who want to become trees of life. And they are they who find themselves rooted in Scripture. Where do you get that, Brandon? I get it from verse 3, where it says, He's like a tree planted by streams of water. Planted by streams of water. That's, in other words, rooted in the Word. The streams of water is the word in this psalm. You get that from verse 2. He says, he meditates on the law and he becomes like one planted by streams of water. So the word and streams of water are paralleled. We have the imagery of the word with water. So rooted in scripture is the same thing as being planted by streams of water. And the one planted by streams of water is the healthy tree. And so that's where we're going for. That's how we're, we're rooted in scripture by obeying scripture. 
by being the man in verse 2 who delights in the word, not the man in verse 1 who sits in the seat of the scoffers and walks with the scorners and the ungodly and the wicked. They, to disobey the word is to intentionally unroot yourself and to go throw yourself in the desert and to wither out there. That's what the scoffer and the wicked and the scorner does in verse 1. But we are planted by streams of water so that we grow fruit and our leaf doesn't wither. So, tree of life, because like trees, we too need to grow and bear fruit. Being cultivated by Jesus and rooted in scripture. And then third and finally, why tree of life? Because what the tree of life is for us, what the tree of life is for us, we are to be for the nations. We are to be for other people. We've come to the tree of life and we've been rooted by waters. We've been cultivated by Jesus. We've received healing from his leaves. We have eternal life in him. And we are to become extensions to others as little trees. Saying, hey, there's a garden here and there's a tree of life in the middle. Come to us. Okay, when you walk around in the desert, you're dying because you need water. And that's the souls in the world. But how do you know where to find water? Well, when you see a big, beautiful green blur in the distance, you know there's water over there. Because trees grow where water is. And so we start to become lush. We grow fruit. And we're gathered together as little trees. And people see this garden and they say, there's life there. I need life because I'm feeling my soul is parched. It's dying in this, I'm tired of this dreaded, weary desert world. I want that garden. I want those streams. I want to be rooted there. And so they come, and we have branches, right? And we're to give shade. We're to give comfort. We're even to embrace people. We're to be letting little birds flutter into our tree branches if, if, if we want to the, let them nest in us, if that's what they need. If people need to confide in you and find a friend, you be that. We aim for an unashamed compassion for all people, all nations, no matter what the lifestyle. We will be trees of life for them. We'll be a garden for them so that they can find the tree of life. That's, that's where I get all this from. You guys probably left Revelation already, I know, but um, that's why we read Revelation 22.2. That's why I chose that text. is because it says there that the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations. And that is our mission. It's to find Jesus, our tree of life. It's to allow ourselves to be cultivated by him and rooted in his word so that we can bear fruit, become a garden of healing to the nations. Or, in our context, to all peoples on this mountain. Or wherever you end up going to college. Those people there too to be that for them. So we must daily eat from Jesus. Going to the tree of life. If we root ourselves in scripture, his streams of water, he will then cultivate you and make us into a garden of trees ready to heal people. See guys, that's our responsibility as trees we're to seek the water so that we can heal the nations. We're to be rooted in Scripture. That's why I put 
an exclamation point Sunday night. That, that to me, this is big for us to root ourselves in Scripture, to form our minds with proper theology, to move our hearts to the proper person, Jesus. And um, then on you know Mondays and Wednesdays, we can just get more into like the nitty-gritties of each other's lives and learn to articulate the theology we're learning on Sundays. It's no good if you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> We've we got to open up and talk and share. I'm tired of passive Christianity. That was a great message. And then, you know, you might know, what was it about? It was about we're trees of life and we're cultivated with an unshakable love for Jesus rooted in Scripture. And I'm like, cool, how does that look in your life? I have no idea. <laughs> you have all these wonderful phrases, but you don't even know how to connect it to life. Anyways. <laughs> So this is what, this is, we'll find if we do this, if we cultivate, let Jesus cultivate our hearts, root ourselves in scripture, we'll become trees of life and our leaves will become leaves of healing for the nations in four ways. One, through uncompromised preaching of truth from scripture tonight. Two, unceasing prayer for the saints Start doing it, trees. We're a garden, not loner trees out or in the wilderness, but garden. Together, start having unceasing prayer for the people on your left and right. Third, unmasked fellowship of believers in loving Christian community. Unmasked fellowship. This is who I am. No more fakeness as we come together in Christian community. Fellowship. And then fourth, like Mondays and Wednesdays, and even tonight too. And fourth, unashamed compassion for all people in all lifestyles. If crows want to make their nest in our trees, let them. They might want to come down to the tree of life instead of their little nest. We all want the little sparrows, little cute chirping ones, but we need to take the vultures and the crows too if they want to be here. Can I put this a little more tangibly? Okay, if, if there's a known homosexual who comes up here, they better be the most loved person here tonight by all of you. All right, you may not want to be best buds with them. I understand that. I don't either. But they need to know they're loved. But I know what we do. We'd be freaked out. Oh my gosh, well, what were we supposed to do? We're just a sinner. Like, we just wouldn't know what to do. Forget not knowing what to do and go get them. So if you don't know what to do, just do it. All right, so then there you go. By those four things, our leaves will become healing for the nations. We'll provide a garden of shelter with access to the tree of life for those perishing in this dry wilderness of this dying world. That's why tree of life. Because it's Jesus. It's eternal life. It's what we're supposed to be like, growing like him. And it's bringing healing to the nations. It's reaching out for them. So that is um, why I picked that name. And I hope it floats your boat. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, let me pray and we'll do that. <laughs> Maybe we won't. <laughs> so, Father, we ask that you would send your rain of grace upon us and pour down on us. That we be, some of us haven't drunk for a while and we are withering. But we return tonight to the tree of life, to you. We want to eat and be replenished by you. We want to be planted by your streams of water. So make us people of your word. God, give us, give us the faith to trust it and to believe it and let our branches grow and spread and let this garden here become massive so that all who are dying in the wilderness may come and be replenished here. So, Lord, instill this mission into our hearts this year. 
that this would indeed not just be a name, but this would be a practice for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.